You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. Joining me, as always, is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty well, Eric. Um, uh, you know, I go as Giannis Adetokounmpo goes, and hearing that Giannis has cleared the NBA's concussion protocol and is uh, along with you in Boston for tomorrow, or I guess as when you listen to this, it'll be tonight's game. Uh, in Boston, uh, that that makes me happy. Uh, I'm I'm very pleased with that. Well, yes, um, he's right here in my hotel room. Uh, we're just hanging out. He's a little annoyed that I'm recording. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, he he made the trip to Boston. Uh, kind of, I mean, it was kind of an interesting talking to him today because there was just kind of the idea that uh, his one quote was kind of funny, where he was just like, you know, like I thought concussions like were a way to like be soft uh and he's like then like i i can just wait i'll get the exact quote on this one but uh it was interesting that and maybe not necessarily surprising that that he would you know feel that way uh but you know he mentioned the idea that as he was kind of going through this, it was just like, I thought a concussion was a way to be soft. I know a lot of people suffer from it, but I never did. When you've never suffered from something, you don't know about it. When I got hit in the head and had the short memory loss, then I realized it's a serious thing. And I had to ask, like, you know, does it really hit you like the next day when all of a sudden you wake up and you have a headache? And he says, it's kind of scary because, you know, you get hit in the head and you feel pain for 10 seconds, but it was lingering and I had a headache the next day and it was kind of bad. But at the time I felt great. I wanted to play like, you know, I'm Giannis. So I wanted to be out on the floor and it was just like, yeah, like that, that kind of, kind of makes sense. But you know, it does sound like all the protocols were followed. Giannis mentioned a number of times, you know, that the NBA protocol is good and protects players and make sure that they're able to stay safe, which I mean, I think is kind of what you want to hear that, you know, no matter what, like they're kind of protecting players from themselves. And I know I wrote a little bit about it at the athletic Wisconsin today and uh, had talked to one of the leading concussion experts in the country uh, who happens to be at the medical college of Wisconsin. But like, when we talked he was like, yeah, you know, like 33% of the time in the larger studies that we do, we find that guys don't or athletes in general don't feel it until that next day. Like you don't, you don't really have the symptoms until that next day in the moment. It's, it's fine. But until then, you, you don't really feel it. And, I mean, I know a bunch of Bucks fans were like, well, then, you know, throw out the protocol if that's kind of the case. If, you know, it, if you're always going to have symptoms the next day, then just, like, throw out the protocol and make sure people sit out. And it's like, well, I guess I 
I don't know. Like, I'm not a concussion doctor. I don't, I don't know the best way to go about this because, you know, maybe there's going to be times where a guy takes a shot and he's not concussed. But because it looked like he could be concussed, you make him sit out, maybe that's better. I don't know. How do you feel about concussions and all of those things in general? I mean, this is, these are one of these things that, like, you know, you just have to leave it to doctors. I mean, there's, you know, it, it's, it's just a fundamentally different type of injury than, than you know, like the stuff we're used to. Um, so it, it, you know, unfortunately, every every guy, every athlete is different. Every brain is different, right? You you mentioned that last night. Um, yeah. Every concussion is different. So um, it's one of those things where obviously we we as fans can only you know we we try to figure out like what's going on and, and comment and prognosticate on on when a guy's going to come back, whatever. But um, you know, it really is one of those things that you you just almost have to step back and just say you know hey it is what it is so um happy he's back fingers crossed this is you know the last time we talk about Giannis concussion and and obviously we we have a big game on Thursday that we can now focus on and and you know hopefully we can do so without any qualifiers step out well so-and-so didn't play and -and so-and-so didn't play and -and (laughs) so-and-so didn't play right which obviously uh will be a change from uh from Monday so a couple things we want to talk about today. One, we're going to talk a little bit about this game against Boston. Uh, two, I want to talk a little bit about uh, national perception recognition. Uh, that was something Giannis got a chance to talk about a little bit today as well. And then three, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, about the extensions that were handed out for the different players. Um, obviously, Thoughtmaker, DJ Wilson. Um, and I know a lot of people have a lot of thoughts on those. So we will, I think, save that for the end. We can kind of knock out all that other stuff. Um, looking at this game against the Celtics, Frank, what, uh, and, uh, I, don't, I don't really know a better way to phrase this other than, you know, like, what do you think any of this means? Like, it does, does it matter if the Bucks play well or play poorly? Or what, what do you kind of think about heading into these games what do you think about at the end of these games what do you think about like that you take away from these games well i think the you know like the toronto game unfortunately it would have been nice to to get a better feel for both teams at full strength just for like kind of match up and you know flexibility malleability purposes just sort of see you know if these teams play in the playoffs like what what might that look like philly was obviously an interesting matchup because we you know at least got to see that and they're obviously a very different team from Boston and Toronto um, so I think you know really like when you play a team like Boston you know I mean these teams played not long ago uh, in a seven game playoff series but both teams have changed a lot since then Bucks you know really stylistically in addition to you know maybe some some obviously uh, I don't want to say minor tweaks to the roster but you know some changes but not like wholesale changes to the roster whereas Boston has, you know, obviously added a couple of really talented guys since the last time we saw them in, in Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. Hayward, obviously, really not anywhere close to kind of full strength right now. So this is probably a good time to be catching the Celtics. Um, but I, again, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting test. I think, you know, we talked a lot about the Bucks' depth on Monday, which obviously in a game where uh, they are missing Giannis and win by a lot, you have to be, feel good about the depth they showed. Um, and I think, you know, the Celtics are, are maybe better than any team at sort of testing your depth because they go so deep, right? They have so many guys um, that that can play at a high level on any given night. And, and obviously right now they're struggling offensively, still playing the best defense in the league. So it'll be a really good test, certainly, um, of, uh, of the Bucks' high-octane offense. You know, we've talked about the Celtics and their ability to um, consistently limit teams' abilities to be effective from three-point range. So 
Um, you know, again, we've been kind of waiting for the Bucks to have a bad three-point shooting night. Um, I think on what on Saturday they only shot like ten out of thirty, so that kind of went under the radar a little bit. But um, you know, certainly I think this is a good measuring stick, especially for the offense, right? Um, you know, the Celtics defense or Celtics offense maybe is is you know we'll see if they have a breakout, but certainly the Bucks defense does it does it sort of um, you know what what we expect of it. You know, that wouldn't be shocking just because the Celtics aren't necessarily playing great offense right now. Um, but defensively, certainly this is a, a great test for the Bucks to see if they can continue to, to score at, at such a high level. And obviously with Giannis, and we've talked a lot about, hey, Giannis hasn't played really at the highest level that we kind of have expected or gotten used to seeing from him, even despite putting up the big numbers. So um, he's obviously had a lot of big games against the Celtics, despite their very good defense over the past couple of years. Um, you know, I, I look forward to hopefully um, a, a – you know, ceremonious, uh, ceremonial yamming on Aaron Baines's head. Um, so, uh, so we'll, we'll see, but, but definitely a fun, a fun test for a Bucks team that, you know, Hey, I mean, seven and zero going into Boston. I mean, that, that this is, this is a really fun, a fun test to see how good this team is. And again, like, you know, we're just trying to figure out where the ceiling is on this team. And obviously this is a good way to test it. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting with this game is you think back to last season's playoff series and, you know, kind of the thing that we said was, you know, this this Boston team isn't isn't all that talented offensively. And we said that at the time because, well, they had a bunch of guys out. <laughs> Kyrie Irving uh, wasn't playing for him. Gordon Hayward obviously out. And, you know, like it was just a, a spot where you're like, okay, well, yeah, they do have the best defense in the league, but offensively there just isn't going to be much and you know we're saying the same thing now and they're very healthy and they have lots of weapons and things just aren't quite going right for them on that side of the ball uh so it does kind of present something similar uh to to last year's playoff series and it's not going to be the exact same but it is you know kind of something to think about and you know like i don't i don't know that we would have thought through all of this uh kind of going into uh into this series so or into this game excuse me so um i think that part of it is interesting and then i think you when you look back on that playoff series last year the Celtics were the number one defense and, uh, you know, managed to really shut down a lot of teams. They didn't do that against the Bucks. The Bucks scored against them plenty. Like, they they weren't all that, uh, all that confused or challenged by that defense. And, you know, it helped that Chris Middleton was a human flamethrower and Giannis was Giannis. But, you know, like, they, they found a way to score despite not having a great system. And this year, you know, you add a great system and, you, you do have to wonder, like, is it going to be even easier? Is, are they going to struggle more uh, to, to not attack those uh, ISOs in the same way that they did last year? Like, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be just really interesting to watch as we try to figure out, you know, what this Bucks team can do against the Celtics team. Because, like you said, you know, this is... As far as measuring sticks go, this is as big as uh, this is as big of a measure, measuring stick as you can get in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Celtics team, and I know they just played the Raptors, who are undefeated, but um, you know I do think most people see the Celtics just slightly above them, and the Celtics should be healthy while the Raptors were not. So I, I think it's going to be a really interesting game, um, and I'm kind of fascinated to see it. Um, only thing, Jalen Brown, questionable for. 
uh, the game. Uh, I'm sure we'll figure out more as the day goes on, but as of now, uh, questionable uh, for Thursday night against the Bucks. another national TV game for them. I think the TNT for this one, right? Oh, I don't even know. I didn't even realize that. It is national TV. I can see if I can find it, but I think it's... I'm pretty sure it's TNT because that would make sense for a Thursday night. Yeah, it's TNT. Um, so Bucks Celtics on TNT uh, on Thursday night. Okay, let's go to just the the, the larger idea, and, and this is something that's come up with Bucks fans really quite a bit in the last couple of days. Um, and something that came up today during uh, Giannis's availability. Uh, Giannis was asked, you know, do you think you're getting enough recognition and enough credit for being uh, the the last undefeated team for being seven and zero? And uh, Giannis had a a bit of a slip up because uh, typically when he gets those questions, he'll say, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. And uh, of course, Bud would say, yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't even know what's going on outside of this outside of this building, like all that stuff. And Giannis eventually said that, but when Ben Steele from the Journal Sentinel asked him, he immediately goes, no, no. And, you know, like he feels as though the Bucks aren't getting enough recognition, enough attention. And um, I know this is something that Bucks fans have kind of complained about. It was something that I mentioned the other night uh, on the podcast. But I think it's really interesting. Like, you know, I watched the entire episode of The Jump right after they beat the Raptors and they got... Uh, 90 seconds, uh, 45 minutes into the show. And, you know, like that's the currently the best in basketball. And that was as much as it was. And, like, I got to say, I totally get it. Like, there's not much drama to the Bucks at this point. Like, th- there is no <laughs> Jimmy Butler demanding a trade. There is no LeBron trying to figure out how to play with the young guys. And, like, I, I think one thing that people kind of need to keep in mind is that that may not be the kind of attention you want. Uh, like if you're getting a lot of attention as an NBA team on sports center, uh, on the jump, you probably have quite a bit of drama. Uh, you probably have some petty things going on. You, you probably have some of the, you know, storylines that people like to talk about. Um, the people that, you know, I tend to care about more, like is the open floor talking about the bucks. Yes. They're talking about them all the time. They love talking about them. Uh, you know, if Zach Lowe and Chris Herring do a podcast together, do the Bucks come up as one of the interesting people or one of the interesting teams? Yes. Yes, they do. Um, like, I, I, to me, those I understand, you know, the appeal of wanting larger national attention, more people talking about you, the biggest shows talking about you, like all of that stuff. But, like, I mean, I don't really get the feeling that uh, – you know, you would watch those and what T-Mac would bitch about them taking 43s a game. Um, like Paul Pierce would talk about how Kawhi Leonard's a better player or something. Like, it would just piss you off. Like, it, it, that's all it would be. And again, I understand, like, having them talk about it would be great. Uh, and, you know, it would feel like the recognition that the team deserves. Um, you know, but at the same time, like, I just... I don't get the feeling that's the attention that you want. Like the attention, smart people is the attention the Bucks have grabbed throughout these first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, the, the, I guess the places I consume my NBA news um, seem to be feeding me a lot of a lot of good Bucks vibes. And uh, again, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, part of me is also just like, 
I'm fine if the Bucks aren't like totally overhyped right now. Um, <laughs> and, and again, I, I still think they do tend to get a, a lot of. They, they are getting a fair bit of attention. Um, and again, like if you beat the Celtics, you you, you are going to get attention. Um, I think they they were hurt a little bit by the Warriors because what I think when they beat Philly, I think that was the night that Steph went for fifty plus, yeah. and then when they beat the Raptors, obviously Giannis and Kawhi were out and. Uh, Clay Thompson went for 50 plus. So, so um, I guess, you know, they need to play a good team, beat a good team on a night when uh, when the Warriors aren't playing or something, and maybe that'll help them get a few more headlines. But um, yeah, I mean, again, like I, I think, you know, winning winning consistently will cure any uh, lack of attention that, that we may be perceiving. And, um, you know, doing it on a national stage, obviously that uh, that 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 won't hurt either. So um, just just keep winning, and all the all the attention and good vibes, it takes care of itself. But as you said, I mean, I think uh, certainly a lot of the smart basketball people that we follow. I mean, it seems, I mean, everybody that we follow and and really kind of think you know highly of in terms of basketball knowledge, were projecting the Bucks to beat the over. Zach Lowe was talking about them as a third seed. You know, there was no lack of sort of Bucks optimism this uh, coming into the, the season. And um, I think certainly all those folks are, are saying even more positive things now. I know um, our friends Ben Golliver and Andrew Sharp on open floor were debating whether the Bucks are a 55 or could be a 61 team. Um, so Sharp just jumping all in. Sharp, Sharp um, just going all in back into the good graces of the Bucks Mafia. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Andrew. Uh, I guess this means we can have him back on the pod. So um, got to strike while the iron is hot. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it's it's definitely, again, it, it's a fun time. And um, I guess, you know, it, again, like when, when our biggest complaint is, uh, is that, you know, the Bucks aren't getting enough love from, you know, random former players who are talking heads and you know don't really watch that much basketball <laughs> yeah because let's be honest they're not watching tons of basketball a lot of these guys and they're probably not going out of their way to watch the bucks like a lot of the you know real hoops junkies that we follow on twitter do um that yeah i'm not i'm not that worried about it i mean notice i, I feel like in previous years we always we were worried because like Stephen a smith and skip bayless were really hot on the bucks for for some reason like when they got greg monroe and stuff like that and we were always like oh god terrible sign um and this this year like we i don't feel like we didn't really hear anything from those guys and we only heard good things from the from the smart people so uh, i think we're at least positioned pretty well at the moment and i get it not being super fun that all the nerds like you like i get it like you want the cool kids to acknowledge you and, and say that you're cool uh but the nerds are pretty cool, man. Like I like the nerds. I like listening to them and talking to them and like, they know what they're talking about. So, you know, like be cool with the nerds. It's okay. Um, so something the nerds may not be cool with though, is what we're going to talk about next. And that is the bucks exercising rookie scale contract options on Thon maker and DJ Wilson for Thon maker. It is a fourth year, uh, on his rookie deal. And, uh, for DJ Wilson is a third year on his rookie deal. And I mean, I think it, there's some interesting stuff for next off season. I think there's interesting stuff for, you know, kind of how we view both of those players today. Um, and, you know, I think there's some interesting things about kind of their potential uh, going forward because that's what matters. Like this is for next year. Like they just exercised the the contract option on Thon Maker for next year and for DJ Wilson for next year. Um, and with how both of them have played, where they are at in the rotation, like, 
I mean, I think there's some questions to be asked. So uh, let's start with kind of where your thoughts were when when you heard that the Bucks were exercising uh, the rookie scale contract options on both those guys. Well, you know, we had heard that DJ was likely to get his option picked up, um, even though, you know, he obviously really got hurt in the scrimmage and never played a minute in preseason, obviously was disappointing last year, like has not really shown any, any real kind of signs that he's can do any, you know, it can be kind of any sort of differentiated, play any sort of differentiated role at the NBA level. Um, And, and obviously again, like, you know, I think we're certainly also biased by the fact that like, we didn't really see why he was like considered a, you know, candidate at number 17 when he was drafted in the first place you know like we've, yeah. as we've discussed like he was not a guy we really ever thought the bucks would be picking that high in the first place so i was like okay uh, all right well hopefully he's good and you know um obviously we saw basically nothing of him in in the regular season last year couldn't you know even in games where literally the bucks had no power forwards i think back to that first game that Giannis rested in phoenix last year Bucks literally had no power forwards. Mirza Talatovic was hurt, um, and he still didn't sniff the court. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. that's not a good sign. But again, I mean, not that Jason Kidd disliking you should be a kiss of death and mean that you have no role ever in the NBA, because um, we obviously don't agree that much with Jason Kidd and his view of basketball. But um, <laughs> you know, I mean, we've seen him in two summer leagues, has had some okay-looking games. Um, he can shoot a little bit, he can dribble a little bit, but you know, as we've discussed, like, I think the question with DJ is just like, what does he do? Right? Like, and, and when you're picking up an option again, it's like one thing, like if this was, you know, to say that like the Bucks are going to keep DJ, DJ Wilson this year, I wouldn't really care that much. Cause I mean, like the Bucks are not close to the luxury tax, you know, they, um, again, like I think Tim Frazier probably would have been more useful than DJ Wilson this year, but whatever i don't think that's necessarily the end of the world that you didn't get to keep tim frazier or, or tyler zeller given kind of the rest of your roster um but you know committing not just this year but then to the year after for a three million dollar contract for dj wilson it's just like what what is it? My, my question here again like i am i would not have done this right and again i don't see dj wilson in practice um which again is pretty much the only place to see DJ Wilson play basketball at the moment. Um, he was a mediocre G league player last year. He's a mediocre summer league player. We'll see if he can crack the rotation at any point this season, but he doesn't really have an obvious path to get minutes this year behind, you know, Giannis and, and Ursan and, you know, go take your pick of other bucks, bigs, whether it's Thon or, you know, even Christian Wood, right? Like, I mean, he's to date is, is behind all those guys on paper um, and to say like, well, you, we got to commit $3 million to him the year after the obvious question to me is like, wh- why? Like, what, what are you, what are you worried about missing out on with DJ Wilson? Because, um, you look at what the bucks are up against next summer, um, between the Wilson option and the fact that Ilyasova has that $7 million guarantee next year. I mean, the, at this point, the bucks really don't have a path to creating any type of meaningful cap space. So long as you've got Chris Middleton's cap hold on the books, um, you know you're you're pretty much locked into just having the mid-level exception, which you know will probably be in the ballpark of of nine million plus next year. So you have a, a, a decent piece there. But 
you know, what's scary is you kind of start doing the math on this and you look at where Malcolm Brogdon is, you look at where, you know, Eric Bledsoe is going to be a free agent. I, I don't know if the Bucks, I don't know what the odds are of the Bucks bringing back Bledsoe. Um, you have Brooke Lopez who's going to be a free agent and you don't have his bird rights. So you can't just pay Eric, uh, Brooke Lopez. You can't go over the cap and give Brooke Lopez, you know, $10 million. Basically, you can't, you can't pay him substantially more than um, what he's making this year, which is a very small number. So you have... You don't, you know, you're kind of pretty much putting yourself in a position where you're piling up a lot of money that you might have to pay next year, and I, I really don't think it makes sense to bite the bullet on DJ Wilson because, you know, some people are saying, oh, well, you can move him in a trade if you need to next summer. I, I, I mean, if he doesn't play at all this year, like that, that'll be two straight years that basically the guy hasn't played, and. You know, he'll be, I guess you could say, well, he'll only be an expiring contract next year. But I I don't really have any illusion that DJ Wilson really has positive trade value right now. And I think he probably would have been more useful from like a trading perspective as an expiring contract this year. So I, I guess it's just this thing, right? Like if he was this like high upside player, then I guess like you could, I, I could see the argument for saying, well, let's just keep him and see if he turns into something. But like even if he wasn't like turns into something like, I mean, is that something like ever going to play for you? I, I don't think it's going to play. He's going to play this year, and again, unless like Giannis goes out for the season, like I, you know, some like disaster scenario, I don't think you know you're likely to see him next year either. So I don't know. I just I just don't really see the the kind of value in doing this because again, like if you try to keep pretty much your roster, you've got Brogdon's going to need a big pay raise. If you want to keep Brogdon, Bledsoe is maybe not going to get a pay raise, but you'll have to pay him something. You've got Lopez, who you may need to use your mid-level to keep. I mean, these kind of moves, just like putting this three million dollars on your salary that on your on your roster that like for a guy that may not play, it's just this kind of stuff that just adds up. And like, I mean, I, I'm just not going to be surprised if next summer we're sitting there saying like, oh crap, would be really nice for the Bucks to free up some more room because oh, you know, damn, to keep all these guys who just contributed to a really good season, they're going to be you know up against the luxury tax and they're not going to have their full mid-level because of the luxury tax and so they can't necessarily pay Brook Lopez enough and they're just all these potential things that can happen and I just I just don't see why it's worth keeping DJ Wilson for that like you can go get a DJ I think you can go get a DJ Wilson off the street next summer in July as a free agent if you really want a guy like that and just just look at some of the guys who didn't get their team options picked up right Dragon Bender, who's younger than T.J. Wilson, is like a super high pedigree, you know, former fourth overall pick. He just had his team option decline for his fourth season. You know, you could go sign a guy like that next summer if you want to kind of gamble on like a stretch, you know, four or five type guy. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think that I just don't think he's going to have value as a trade piece because I don't think he's going to play this year. And I, I, I don't know. I just don't. I, I'm just going to stop because I think at this point you understand that I don't get this. I just don't think it's worth it. It's not likely going to be a thing that destroys the Bucks' future or something like that. But it just seems like a wasteful thing that, I don't know, I think a team with more foresight wouldn't do. Well, I think this is the spot where I'm supposed to come in and defend DJ Wilson's honor, um, which I'm really happy you set me up for, Frank, because that's what I, exactly what I want to do. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's not much there. Like I, I don't, I don't, 
I mean, I don't really even know what the argument is. Like, uh, and again, like, I, I'm going to feel really guilty about this because this is just us shitting on DJ Wilson. Um, but, like, <laughs> the, you, you do have to uh, – someone has to make a compelling argument to me uh, about his value and what he could do or be um, or contribute at some point because at, at this moment I, I don't see it. I haven't seen it on the court. I haven't seen it in summer league. I haven't seen it in the G League. I haven't seen it in college. Um, I mean, I just haven't seen it. And and like you said, like yeah, if if Jason Kidd shits on you, okay, like we, we've proven through seven games that he probably wasn't a very good NBA coach. Actually, I'll take out the problem. He wasn't a very good NBA coach. Um, <laughs> so like, okay, that's fine. Like Jason Kidd doesn't like you. Whatever. Like, we can all ignore that and give you a mulligan uh, with Mike Boonholzer. And, you know, Mike Boonholzer could really help out DJ Wilson. And I think you mentioned this on Twitter. Like, a guy like DJ Wilson who is supposed to be able to shoot a little bit and is supposed to be able to kind of handle the ball a little bit and is able to supposed to do some of these things. Like, Mike Boonholzer could find a guy like that useful. But you know, you know who else Mike Boonholzer finds useful? Ursani de Selva. And you know who else is here for at least one more year, if not two? Ersan Ilyasova. And you know what position Ersan Ilyasova plays? Power forward. And you know what position DJ Wilson plays? Power forward. So you, you got you got Giannis and Ersan in front of you. Where, where are you going to play? Like, I, I don't... Oh, maybe... Okay, you know what? Let's move down a small forward. So you're going to play over Chris Middleton? You're going to play over Tony Snell. You're going to play over Dante DiVincenzo. You're going to play over Pat Connaughton. You're going to play over Sterling Brown. Uh, I don't think so. Doesn't seem likely. Uh, so, I mean, I think all the points you bring up are, are, are very, are very pro- like are very relevant because there isn't a spot for DJ Wilson here. Like, I, and again, maybe. Maybe there is a world where you get hurt by DJ Wilson finding a new place, you know, new place, new face, new situation, and everything goes right for him. Okay. So you get hurt by that. Was he ever going to play over Giannis? No. Was he ever going to play over Ersan? No. I think that's... He's not going to play center, which I think at this point we know he's too soft to do that, right? Like... Correct. Um, that was one thing. Like I remember, because not really knowing much about him coming out of college, I thought, "Oh, he's like six eleven, like seven three wingspan, like two hundred thirty five pounds." Like, oh, he's he's pretty big. And then you watch him, you're just like, "No, he can't. He's he's not going to play center. He's a power forward, and that's that's kind of all that he is." And it, I think it's it's interesting to kind of com- we haven't really talked about Thon, but I think it's interesting to compare him to Thon because I mean, such a big difference is like Thon has like very clear limitations, right? Like. Yep. He has very clear limitations that would, I think, prevent him from having like, you know, up the upside that a lot of people kind of like thought he might have had based on like some of his like high school, you know, mixtapes or whatever. But there, you can paint me a picture where Thon Maker actually like has a role in the Milwaukee Bucks' future. You know, like, I mean, again, like I don't know if the Bucks are going to be able to bring back Lopez next year. Henson's going to be an expiring contract. Um, 
you know, with the way that that Thon plays, as far I mean, the the, the lack of switching defense, like I, I still have a lot of hangups on that, as far as whether you can really maximize Thon in Bud system. But offensively, the fact that he you know is is able to shoot and stretch the floor, and that Bud gives the green light. I mean, right now, like he's even getting away with playing him at power forward, which obviously makes Thon even more valuable, and also makes it harder to find room for DJ Wilson if if they can find room for Thon Maker at the four. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, so like, I mean, I can picture Thon playing with Giannis. I mean, that's, yep. that's really what so much of this comes down for, right? Like if you can picture a guy actually complimenting Giannis, you know, being on the court and, you know, making sense with Giannis. And in this case, like Thon actually, you know, being able to play center, um, maybe not, maybe he's not a starter, but you know, as a backup, whatever, then like, I get the idea of saying, well, let, let's, let's keep taking a look at Thon. Right. And and we know that Thon is a really hard worker, even if for some reason he only seems to play well in the playoffs and against sure. the Toronto Raptors. Um, so I mean, like, I, I'm not really worried from like a work ethic standpoint. Like, I don't know, I don't know about DJ Wilson. I don't know what you know his deal is. I don't know. You know, we haven't heard certainly like those same things are not prevalent right. with them. Like right. Thon, you hear it all the time. Like anytime you talk to anyone about Thon. You'll hear, okay, sure, he does have limitations, but he works his ass off, and he's going to continue to work his ass off. And I, I, I haven't heard that about DJ Wilson. Yeah, and and it, the irony was there was that that story. I think Matt Velasquez wrote it in in the preseason where it was like Giannis had a quote about DJ and like how he like came out in in a practice and was like really working hard and like Giannis had like someone say like that's what he's got to do. Like you know he's just got to go out there and work hard. But like it kind of like felt like a back end of comedy because it was kind of implying that like he normally doesn't do, doesn't do that, and that like it was like Giannis was surprised that he came out and like really worked hard and busted his ass on defense. Yes. And so um, I mean, again, like if they can keep doing that and you know guys get injured, then maybe they're maybe he can get out there, right? Because again, if if anybody can probably maximize a guy like like DJ, it's certainly I'd put more money on Mike Budenholzer than Jason Kidd, um, you know, but uh, I mean, if, you know, again, like we said, if, if he can make Thon Maker at power forward work offensively, then, um, you know, we might as well roll Eric name out there um, at the two guard or something. So, hey. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, like there are, I mean, there, there are absolutely universes where DJ Wilson, like maybe becomes like some, playable NBA player or like maybe he cracks rotation somewhere but it's like to me his like upside is that he's like a three million dollar three million dollar player like it's like the best case scenario is that like he earns the money you guaranteed him for not just this season but next season right so it's just like you know you could you could just not pick up his team option and then you could still resign him next summer. You couldn't offer. Then him. you don't need a miracle. Like yeah, you, don't you don't need something magical to happen. Right. Like, like who? If, like, are you are you worried that like DJ Wilson's like not going to play this year? You're going to decline his team option. He won't play this year. And then if you see enough that you wanted to bring him back, that like someone's going to swoop in and offer him multiple years at like four million dollars a year. Like that's not going to happen. Like you can probably nope. get him at the minimum, right? Because he's probably enough. seems likely. So. So, yeah, I mean, it, and I think that's sort of the thing, right? Like, we just have this natural, like, knee-jerk to, like, project, like, potential 
and upside onto like anybody who is well, they're young. Yeah, they're young. Yeah, well, and DJ's not even that young, right? Relative to, <laughs> to a lot of first round picks, right? I mean, he's going to be twenty three this year. So, um, is, is he still? Is he still? Old? Is he older than Rashad Vaughn? He might be. Um, I think they're actually born both ninety six birthdays. I think maybe. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it's it's just kind of a. I don't know. It's just like I, I, I think I think you just have to be realistic about like what these guys really can be. I think you know, and we've talked about Christian Wood too. I mean, obviously, like I'm much higher on Christian Wood than DJ Wilson, if only because you know Wilson hasn't really done much at any in any kind of games that we've been able to see for the last year, and Wood hasn't proven it at the NBA level. And we've talked a lot about why there are lots of questions about whether he can really be you know any type of rotation player at the NBA level, but. He was a really good G League player. He was a really good summer league player. Like you know, okay. at least you've seen something. Yeah, like, like you were with your own eyes. Like there isn't something where it's like, well, you know, you don't, you don't get to see practice. So maybe there's something there. Like we've seen with our own eyes. Yeah. Christian Wood yeah. do something. Yeah. So I, I think that's the hard part with with Wilson. It's just like, you know, I mean, we we I mean, how many conversations did did people have about Rashad Vaughn, like just exactly like this, you know? And he was younger, yep. and you know, I was like, "Well, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pick up his options because he's young." And what, like, what is he gonna turn but, into? Right? In that situation, though, like you could see a path forward for That's him. True, yeah, because there, like, yeah. like, there was actual playing time. Like yeah. if he, if he, like found a way to be a consistent knockdown shooter, which obviously he never did. But if he did, that plays with Giannis. Like that works. Like DJ Wilson doesn't even have that. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, let's just, again, like at this point, like, you know, again, we don't need to spend this entire season litigating the wisdom of, of picking up DJ Wilson's option. I think you just park it and you just say, all right, let's see what happens. Let's see where the bucks are next summer. And I just, (laughs) I just think there's way more likelihood that you're going to say, man, I wish I wasn't on the hook for DJ Wilson at $3 million with all these other things, all these other guys that I need to sign versus some scenario where like, Oh man, God, I wish we had picked up that option on DJ Wilson. Cause, cause he's going to get way more money from, he's going to go someplace else and really make us regret yeah. that. And we're going to wish that he was our backup power forward. Like GTFO, <laughs> like that, that, yeah. that scenario is just not going to happen. And again, maybe at some point, DJ kind of figures it out and becomes like a serviceable NBA player. But I mean, again, like I, I just don't think you really, I just don't think there's upside in doing this. So anyway. I, I, so let's say this. Our position is very clear on DJ Wilson and what we think of this deal. We will likely never talk about it again because it, there's never going to be a reason to talk about DJ Wilson. If there is, we will talk about it again and maybe he will prove us wrong. But because we haven't talked about it every single day doesn't mean that we think it has done any less to put the Bucks in a bad position. We don't think that he has somehow proven himself wrong. Like It just means that it, he will not do something that makes us talk about him throughout this season. Like Our position won't change. And I always feel like sometimes when we do this, like we do a daily podcast and – you know, for messages really to get through. Like, you know, like you kind of have to hammer it every day uh, and be like, okay, this is how we feel. This is how we feel. We're not going to do that with DJ Wilson because it would be a waste of our time. Like it, it just would not make any sense in the grand scheme of this podcast. So just know that this is how we feel. If we need to revisit at some point, we will. Um, and the only reason we would need to revisit it is if he at 
some point does something that makes us think our uh, our initial kind of analysis is wrong. Does that feel fair, Frank? Uh, I think so. And let me let me just add one more thing here. So I I, I tweeted out like I, I kind of had a string of tweets, and it was kind of ironic. Like I really didn't even think about it much until last night, even though the the news happened during the day. Um, and so we didn't talk about it on the pod yesterday. But then I I tweeted out some stuff that was you know fairly critical of like you know basically saying what I what I kind of just said. Um, and it, some people were like, well, why do you like, it's stupid that people care that like fans care about the luxury tax and, you know, like whatever, like bucks are doing so well, like they'll pay the tax and, or they'll make the print money and all stuff. And this is like, okay, a couple things here. One, the luxury tax is going over the luxury tax and like, you know, being, being in that, that realm, it is not just a, oh, it's only an owner's thing. Right. Because as we saw this summer, when the Bucks gave more than the taxpayer mid-level to Ursan Elisova, they became hard-capped. So if they had, you know, and again, this summer it was Jabari Parker who, you know, ultimately they were kind of in a position where they couldn't really pay him as much as, again, that worked out because screw Jabari Parker, you, and as we've seen, like, he was not a loss. But next summer it's a bit different, right? Um, yep. If you... Um, you know, you have Brooke Lopez, who you do not have bird rights on. You can't just go pay him whatever you want. You have Bledsoe, you have Middleton, you have Brogdon. There is a very real scenario, and I, and I did some of the math last night that, you know, it was like you'd have something like $17 million under the tax. Uh, if you get if Middleton ends up getting, like, something in order of, like, $30 million a year, which, again, like, you can say he doesn't deserve it, but, like, that's probably going to be the market for him. It's going to happen. Um, and you're not going to be able to replace him if you say, like, oh, he's worth $25 million, so no way $30 million. It's like, all right, well, Giannis is going to mark that down and say, I am much more likely to leave. Bye. I'm much more likely to leave. Thanks for gutting one of our, you know, our second best player. Um, but, like, I think, I think the math I had was, like, you know, with all the, with assuming you can't just, you know, again, like, with the current those bad contracts, the Snell, Henson, Delhi deals currently on the books, you'd have something like seventeen million to spend on not just Bledsoe, not just Brogdon, not just Lopez, but all three of those guys in order to stand with the tax if you pay Middleton, you know, again, let's say thirty million. And so you again you put yourself in this position where you're like, well, either you're just not gonna bring back one or maybe two of those guys, but you also have less flexibility to replace them with other players. Or you put in a position where it's like, oh, well, we're going to just have to stretch Delhi, or, you know, it'll probably be Delhi if you'd stretch anybody, right? And it's like, yeah, you can do that, right? Like, like there's a way to avoid the luxury tax if you really don't want to. And again, like, am I, is anybody shocked to say if, if the Bucks owners don't want to pay the luxury tax? Like, why would they want to go? Like, you know, it's like if, if DJ Wilson's the difference between paying the luxury tax and not paying the luxury tax, like you sure as hell don't want to pay the luxury tax for DJ friggin' Wilson, right? So all this stuff on the margins could matter. It could limit your ability to be able to pay all these other guys under the tax. And A, if it matters to owners, then it should matter to fans, even if we don't aren't the ones paying the bills, right? So if, if the ownership doesn't group doesn't want to pay the tax, then, you know, then we can't we can't just sit around ignoring it and acting like oh well they should pay it. it's like well if they don't then that's that matters um, and B like you know as I said like if you go over the tax right like it, there's this the the apron which you talked about a fair bit this this summer it's six million over the tax and um, you know if you basically project to be at or over the apron um, then you can't you know you can't use the full mid level which is especially a big deal when you're not going to have cap space. Like the Bucks are not going to have cap space. Uh, you know, again, unless like Middleton and Bledsoe walk. Um, and 
so the difference between a full mid-level of like nine and a mini mid-level of you know, taxpayer mid-level of like five or six, that's pretty, that's a pretty big deal in terms of your flexibility. So I'm not, yeah. I, I don't want to give up that because I just couldn't stand the idea of not having DJ Wilson, like screw that, you know, like go get your DJ Wilson equivalent for the minimum next summer. Right. So anyway, yeah, I think we've talked about this enough, but um, again, hopefully DJ Wilson proves the bucks, right. Um, that they were right to have this faith. But again, it's just like, I, I just don't know what venue he's even going to have to prove it. And um, I think that means he's not going to be an asset from a trade perspective. And he's not, you're not going to use DJ Wilson to get rid of Delhi or something like that. Like if you want to get rid of Delhi or Henson, you might need to trade Malcolm Brogdon, not, not DJ Wilson, yeah. um, who hasn't you know basically played any meaningful basketball over the past year and a half. So anyway, I think we've been enough of a uh, like cap nerd, basketball twitter nerd bummer tonight um so let's hope the bucks just you know play well and continue their winning streak and then we can go back to our regularly scheduled not talking at all about dj wilson uh podcasting (laughs) all right that is gonna be it for us for tonight uh big game bucks celtics uh, TNT, national TV, and you know another game against one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. So it should end up being quite a bit of fun tonight, even though this may have been a downer for the last 20 minutes or so. Thanks for sticking around for it, and hopefully, you know, you learned something and you thought about it. That would be great. Um, but if not, that's cool too. Uh, we'll be back talking about basketball and not uh, cap stuff tomorrow. So with all that being said. I'm Eric Game. That was Frank Mann. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.